0: This is day 136 of our daily Bible reading. We'll be completing the Song of Solomon, chapters 5 through 8, and then we'll go into Isaiah chapter 1. Lord Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord. We know that the Song of Solomon was written not only for Solomon's day, but also for us today. Lord, you've called us to love you. You have loved us first from the beginning of time, and you have died for us. You sacrificed everything to redeem us and to be brought into your family. May we as your bride, Lord, pine for you, long for you, and just desire to be in your presence. Lord, as we go into your word, Lord, please allow the Holy Spirit to show us this truth. Please bless this time, in Jesus' name. Amen. I have come into my garden, my sister, my bride. I have gathered my myrrh along with my balsam. I have eaten my honeycomb and my honey. I have drunk my wine and my milk. Eat, friends. Drink and imbibe deeply, O lovers. I was asleep, but my heart was awake. A voice! My beloved was knocking. Open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my perfect one. For my head is drenched with dew, my locks with the damp of the night. I have taken off my dress. How can I put it on again? I have washed my feet. How can I dirty them again? My beloved extended his hand through the opening, and my feelings were aroused for him. I arose to open to my Beloved, and my hands dripped with myrrh, and my fingers with liquid myrrh on the handles of the bolt. I opened to my Beloved, but my Beloved had turned away and had gone. My heart went out to him as he spoke. I searched for him, but I did not find him. I called him, but he did not answer me. The watchmen who make the rounds in the city found me. They struck me and wounded me. The guardsmen of the walls took away my shawl from me. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, if you find my beloved, as to what you will tell him, for I am lovesick. What kind of beloved is your beloved, O most beautiful among women? What kind of beloved is your beloved, that thus you adjure us? My beloved is dazzling and ruddy, Outstanding among ten thousand. His head is like gold, pure gold. His locks are like clusters of dates, And black as a raven. His eyes are like doves, Beside streams of water, Bathed in milk, And reposed in their setting. His cheeks are like a bed of balsam, Banks of sweet-scented herbs. His lips are lilies, DRIPPING WITH LIQUID myrrh, HIS HANDS ARE RODS OF GOLD, SET WITH beryl. HIS ABDOMEN IS CARVED IVORY, INLAID WITH SAPPHIRES. HIS LEGS ARE PILLARS OF ALABASTER, SET ON PEDESTALS OF PURE GOLD. HIS APPEARANCE IS LIKE LEBANON, CHOICE AS THE CEDARS. HIS MOUTH IS FULL OF SWEETNESS, AND HE IS WHOLLY DESIRABLE. THIS IS MY BELOVED, And this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. Where has your beloved gone, O most beautiful among women? Where has your beloved turned, that we may seek him with you? My beloved has gone down to his garden, to the beds of balsam, to pasture his flock in the gardens and gather lilies. I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. He who pastures his flock among the lilies. You are as beautiful as Tirzah, my darling, as lovely as Jerusalem, as awesome as an army with banners. Turn your eyes away from me, for they have confused me. Your hair is like a flock of goats that has descended from Gilead. Your teeth are like a flock of ewes which have come up from their washing, all of which bear twins and not one among them has lost her young. Your temples are like a slice of a pomegranate behind your veil. There are sixty queens and eighty concubines, and maidens without number, but my dove, my perfect one, is unique. She is her mother's only daughter. She is the pure child of the one who bore her. The maidens saw her and called her blessed. The queens and the concubines also, and they praised her, saying, Who is this that grows like the dawn, as beautiful as the full moon, as pure as the sun, as awesome as an army with banners? I went down to the orchard of nut trees to see the blossoms of the valley, to see whether the vine had budded or the pomegranates had bloomed. Before I was aware, my soul set me over the chariots of my noble people. Come back, come back, O Shulamite! Come back, come back, that we may gaze at you. Why should you gaze at the Shulamite, as at the dance of the two companies? How beautiful are your feet in sandals, O prince's daughter! The curves of your hips are like jewels, the work of the hands of an artist. Your navel is like a round goblet, which never lacks mixed wine. Your belly is like a heap of wheat, fenced about with lilies. Your two breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle. Your neck is like a tower of ivory. Your eyes like the pools in Heshbon, by the gate of Bath-Rabim. Your nose is like the tower of Lebanon, which faces toward Damascus. Your head crowns you like Carmel, and the flowing locks of your head are like purple threads. The king is captivated by your tresses. How beautiful and how delightful you are, my love, with all your charms. Your stature is like a palm tree, and your breasts are like its clusters. I said, I will climb the palm tree. I will take hold of its fruit stalks. O, may your breasts be like clusters of the vine, and the fragrance of your breath like apples, and your mouth like the best wine. It goes down smoothly for my Beloved, flowing gently through the lips of those who fall asleep. I am my Beloved's, and his desire is for me. Come, my Beloved, let us go out into the country. Let us spend the night in the villages. Let us rise early and go to the vineyards. Let us see whether the vine has budded and its blossoms have opened, and whether the pomegranates have bloomed. There I will give you my love. The mandrakes have given forth fragrance, and over our doors are all choice fruits, both new and old, which I have saved up for you, my beloved. Oh that you were like a brother to me! who nursed at my mother's breasts. If I found you outdoors, I would kiss you. No one would despise me either. I would lead you and bring you into the house of my mother, who used to instruct me. I would give you spiced wine to drink from the juice of my pomegranates. Let his left hand be under my head, and his right hand embrace me. I want you to swear, O daughter of Jerusalem, Do not arouse or awaken my love until she pleases. Who is this coming up from the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? Beneath the apple tree I awakened you. There your mother was in labor with you. There she was in labor and gave you birth. Put me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death. Jealousy is as severe as Sheol, its flashes are flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. Many waters cannot quench love, nor will rivers overflow it. If a man were to give all the riches of his house for love, it would be utterly despised. We have a little sister, and she has no breasts. What shall we do for our sister on the day when she is spoken for? If she is a wall, we will build on her a battlement of silver. But if she is a door, we will barricade her with planks of cedar. I was a wall, and my breasts were like towers. Then I became in his eyes as one who finds peace. Solomon had a vineyard at Baal-Haman. He entrusted the vineyard to caretakers. Each one was to bring a thousand shekels of silver for its fruit. My very own vineyard is at my disposal. The thousand shekels are for you, Solomon, and two hundred are for those who take care of its fruit. O you who sits in the gardens, my companions are listening for your voice. Let me hear it. Hurry, my beloved, and be like a gazelle or a young stag on the mountains of Spices. The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amaz, concerning Judah and Jerusalem, which he saw during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Listen, O heavens, and hear, O earth, for the Lord speaks. Sons I have reared and brought up, but they have revolted against me. An ox knows its owner, and a donkey its master's manger. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Alas, sinful nation, people weighed down with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, sons who act corruptly, they have abandoned the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away from Him. Where will you be stricken again, as you continue in your rebellion? The whole head is sick, and the whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot, even to the head, there is nothing sound in it. Only bruises, welts, and raw wounds, not pressed out or bandaged, not softened with oil. Your land is desolate, your cities are burned with fire. Your fields, strangers, are devouring them in your presence. It is desolation, as overthrown by strangers. The daughter of Zion is left like a shelter in a vineyard, like a watchman's hut in a cucumber field, like a besieged city. Unless the Lord of hosts had left us a few survivors, we would be like Sodom and we would be like Gomorrah. "'Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. "'Give ear to the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah. "'What are your multiplied sacrifices to me?' said the Lord. "'I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle, "'and I take no pleasure in the blood of bulls, lambs, or goats. "'When you come to appear before me,' Who requires of you this trampling of my courts? Bring your worthless offerings no longer. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath, the calling of assemblies, I cannot endure iniquity and the solemn assembly. I hate your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. So when you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Yes, even though you multiply prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are covered with blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from my sight. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Reprove the ruthless. Defend the orphan. Plead for the widow. Come now, and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. If you consent and obey, you will eat the best of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. Truly, the mouth of the Lord has spoken. How the faithful city has become a harlot, she who was full of justice. Righteousness once lodged in her, but now murderers. Your silver has become dross, your drink diluted with water. Your rulers are rebels and companions of thieves. Everyone loves a bribe and chases after rewards. They do not defend the orphan, nor does the widow's plea come before them. Therefore, the Lord God of hosts, the Mighty One of Israel, declares, Ah, I will be relieved of my adversaries, and avenge myself of my foes. I will also turn my hand against you, and will smelt away your dross as with lye, and will remove all your alloy. Then I will restore your judges as at the first, and your counselors as at the beginning. After that, you will be called the city of righteousness, a faithful city. Zion will be redeemed with justice, and her repentant ones with righteousness. But transgressors and sinners will be crushed together, and those who forsake the Lord will come to an end. Surely you will be ashamed of the oaks which you have desired, and you will be embarrassed at the gardens which you have chosen. For you will be like an oak whose leaf fades away, or as a garden that has no water. The strong man will become tender, his work also a spark. Thus they shall both burn together, and there will be none to quench them. Okay, we finished another book of the Bible. Song of Solomon is now complete, and we are entering into the prophet Isaiah. But before we do that, let's recap a little bit of what happened here in the Song of Solomon. So, this is talked about here near the end of chapter 4 and leading into chapter 5. We see this illustration that Solomon is using of a garden that is locked in a garden that is luxurious. And this is a way that God is describing virginity and purity. And that is what is desired of what God's design was for a man and a woman to remain pure and virgins until they are married. There's something very mysterious about that whole dimension because they say the Bible seems to indicate that a marriage is the closest thing to, communion with another human being, much like the connection that the Trinity has with itself. And so it's very mysterious how it works, and we don't really know. It's so they're so deep. that it, The Bible touches on it, but even Paul said it's very deep. It wasn't revealed to him, the mysteries of it. So it goes to show that there is something very significant about it and therefore we need to treat it as sacred as the Bible treats it. So we see at the end of chapter 4 that he is desiring to consummate the marriage. And then in chapter 5, we see that he does that. I have come into my garden, meaning I have come into my wife's virginity, and I now am in that, and we are become one flesh. And then it's almost as if God comes into here to bless it in verse 1 we see the very last section of it where it says eat friends drink and imbibe deeply o lovers it's almost as if god is is blessing the whole marriage and is blessing the union of a man and a woman coming together and becoming one flesh and that is what is desired by god this is how it was designed to be and yet this world has perverted it so much Then we see, as we go into chapter 5, that the honeymoon is over at this point, and we see that the wife is rebuffing the husband, because it shows as if the wife at one point refused to let the husband in, but it seems to suggest in a physical way. And then she ends up regretting it. And then so he left, and he was busy doing something else. And then, so she went to go search for him. And as she's searching for her husband, she was asked, what is he like? And then she bursts into this really detailed description of how amazing he is. Just how fine and how remarkable of a man he is. And so then they conclude in chapter 6 that he has gone to his garden. And so he is going to be found there waiting for her. And then the husband sees her and just starts describing her in the greatest of detail as well. Now, there are some times where it says, for example, that Solomon refers to her as his sister. Now, we have to understand this properly because this was a term of endearment back then. That closeness between siblings is how close he wanted to be with his wife. So, it's not that he wanted an incestuous marriage or something like that, nothing creepy, but it was merely just to show a term of endearment that she is not only his lover and someone that he is pursuing, but also he wants to be as close to her as siblings are. So, let's not pervert what the Bible is saying. And yes, this is a huge description of the physical attributes of this woman as she just described him. And then you see in chapter 7 that the marriage is deepening, and they are becoming more and more intoxicated with each other. And so then they seem to spend more time together, and then you see throughout chapter 8 that the love is starting to mature. And there's something that we've seen now three or four times that has repeated itself where Solomon is speaking to the daughters of Jerusalem that says, I want you to swear, O daughters of Jerusalem, do not arouse or awaken my love until she pleases. In other words, don't push this. Don't force anything. Let this organically develop. Let God be in control of the deepening of this relationship. And we see in verse 6 of chapter 8, Put me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death, jealousy is as severe as Sheol, and so on. What she's describing here is that she wants to be like a precious possession. She wants to be the husband's most treasured possession. And that's what it should be. So often in marriages, that dynamic shifts, where the focus is on someone or something else. But the way God designed it was, besides God being the most important thing in the marriage, the relationship between the husband and the wife is supposed to be the most important thing, even more than the kids, even more than the church, even more than your job. The relationship between a man and a woman, a husband and a wife, is supposed to be that powerful priority number one, besides God, is your spouse. That person is you. Now that you are one flesh, that person is also you, a separate portion of you. You're, when they say you're better half, that's why they say it like that, because you are now one flesh. So when your wife is in pain, you need to be in pain. When your wife is happy, you need to be happy. Because you are of one flesh. There's something very powerful about that. And as you are married longer, you will learn how to deepen that relationship and that bond. And at that point, you are inseparable from each other. That's what it should be. That's how a marriage should healthily be. The physical aspect of marriage and sexuality should never be withheld from each other. But that is only the tip of the iceberg. The emotional, spiritual aspect of marriage is where the true depth is. And lastly, we see the very last verse of the Song of Solomon is almost pointing to how the church is supposed to be longing for its bridegroom, Jesus Christ. Hurry, my beloved, and be like a gazelle or a young stag on the mountains of spices. We're supposed to be waiting and we're asking Jesus to hurry and return to take us home. That same understanding that we are the bride of Christ, and Jesus will return to take us to his home, how we should long for him in the same way. And then we change gears dramatically, and we go into the book of Isaiah. And God is indicting his people. He's indicting them that they have fallen away, that they have sinned against him, and they have completely and utterly abandoned him. And you see also, beginning in verse 9, you see, unless the Lord of hosts had left us a few survivors, we would be like Sodom, we would be like Gomorrah. You're going to see that reoccurring theme a lot as we go into the prophets, as we have already seen in some of Scripture. That whole dynamic of a remnant, that God always leaves a remnant. So no matter if he destroys a nation, he conquers a kingdom, he dissolves a nation, he always leaves a remnant of his faithful people. And I firmly believe that. And I think that even if America were to go in a really bad direction, and the United States eventually falls apart, I don't think he would abandon his remnant, people like you and me, That are devoted to him. I don't think he would utterly abandon us. He never will. There's something significant about that thought of the remnant, that there would be still somebody around to speak the truth of Christ. And may we be those people. May we be the ones who are bold enough to speak in the face of trouble and speak the Lord's name in a place that hates him. Then we see a very interesting thing that that God says here in verse 11. What are your multiplied sacrifices to me, says the Lord? I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle. When you come to appear before me, who requires of you this trampling of my courts? So you see this language here that these people are doing the religious activities, but there's no heart in them. It is empty ritual they are going through the motions but they have no love for the lord i believe it was in second chronicles that we read that that the lord is looking to and fro across the earth to find someone whose heart is completely his that's what he wants he doesn't want the ritual he doesn't want the sacrifices he doesn't want the public display he wants your heart and at this point god did not have the heart of israel and he was upset about that. So he offers them repentance in verse 16. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, get rid of the filth that's in your midst. Remove the evil from your sight. Remove the evil of your deeds from my sight. Cease to do evil. He's telling them what to do and how to be restored. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Reprove the ruthless. Defend the orphan. Plead for the widow. These are all the things that he's asking us to do, and it's the same for today. And then verse 18. Come, let's reason together. Let's think about this, says the Lord. Let's reason together. My reason is far above yours, but use some logic. Use the common sense that I gave you. Though your sins are as scarlet, I can make you clean. If you consent and obey, I will bless you beyond imagination. However, if you don't obey me, I will utterly destroy you. Truly, the mouth of the Lord has spoken. He's not messing around, and his commands have never changed. This is nothing new. This is the age-old problem, and this is the age-old solution. And Israel is in a tough time right now because they have abandoned the Lord for idols. Even though he's going to do all this to them, in verse 24, he says that he will relieve them of their adversaries and he will avenge himself and he will restore them. He is a God of healing and restoration. He always intends good for his people. And so we should never Feel that the Lord has utterly abandoned us. He never has. We abandon Him. He promises to bless us and restore us and exalt us if we were to repent. We are no different today. We so often have other things in our lives that are substitutes for God or that we put in more importance to God. For me, it's video games and dopamine. And all those things that make me feel comfortable and good, and I seek those things instead of God sometimes. And it causes me to lose the blessings. But then when he challenges me to repent, I repent and I'm restored and I gain back the joy of my salvation. And that's my hope for you all. If you're struggling, if you have deviated from the path of God in your life, it's not too late. Repent and return to the Lord, and he will bless you. He promises that. Will you believe him? And will you consider him the most valuable thing of all? Seeing how we are in the Christmas season, I think this is most important to think about because Jesus Christ is the reason why we're celebrating. And if we really know who he is, then we would exalt him. So let's consider what we have read, and let us consider a change in ourselves. That's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.